Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning and welcome to Hillside Assembly. My name is Eric and I am the lead pastor here. If you're visiting us for the first time this morning, welcome. And we'd love for you to stop by a table in our foyer before you leave the church today to pick up your free gift. If you're visiting us online, we'd love for you to check out our webpage, hillsideassembly.org. You'll find lots of information, how you can connect with the church, and other materials to help you in your walk with Christ. At the end of service today, one of our worship leaders will pray over the offering, and then you can give in one of two ways. You can give your tithe and offerings in our giving box in our foyer, or you can go to our webpage, again, at hillsideassembly.org, click on the giving tab, and you can give online there. I'm going to now turn this over to one of our worship leaders this morning to give you a little more information and also to kickstart our worship experience. Have a wonderful day. And I think Jackie's going to give us a an update on the exciting morning, event everybody. coming up. Yes, Ooh. we have a big exciting event happening, and it is Vacation Bible School. It is our own missions trip right here in Ripon, Wisconsin. So for anyone who is going to volunteer or attend, I need you guys to register by the 20th or 25th. That's our window to make sure that we have everybody in. We're running three days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is the second session. It is at Grace Lutheran. Any other questions? We are not having a meal this year, but some yummy snacks. So, mm mm. And so we're going to have songs and all sorts of fun stuff. Are you going to come help? Eldon's like thinking the snacks sound pretty good. <laughs> I saw that. So, and then we have anything else going on? So, the day Pastor Eric comes back, August 1st, is the day VBS starts. It's an exciting day here at Ripon. So are we good? We're good, Miss Jackie. All right, thank, thank you. Thank you, Miss Jackie. And it looks like we got more children to send with you today. Miss yeah. Jackie, we got Children's Church Woo! back and running, right? Okay, they're going to stay together and worship together with us, and then... Jeb, oh, we got Jeb going on, too. That's right. Okay. I'd like to read from uh, Lamentations, and this was during uh, the destruction of Jerusalem that God had foretold because of the unfaithfulness of his people. And Jeremiah had uh, foretold many of those things that would happen, and yet when he saw them, he was deeply troubled and uh, sorrowful. And uh, yet in the middle of that, you know, he talked about God's faithfulness. And in Lamentations, we read, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? Have you seen God be faithful in your life through many dangers, toils, and snares, as we'll sing later? Amen. Christine, would you lead us? Would you stand with us this morning as we talk about and sing about God's faithfulness? 
walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me yet I know the night won't last I know the night won't last Your word will come to pass Amen My heart will sing your praise again Jesus Jesus, you're still enough me within your love my heart will sing your praise again your promise your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your is my confidence you never failed your promise your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my no way 
Remember Amen. God's faithfulness this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Do we have that uh, Jeb video queued up? It's Jive Time with Jeb. Good morning, Hillside. Who's excited to be at church today? Ooh, you guys are sounding good. Well, I think it is time to get ready to send our kiddos down to Kids Church. So if you are in grades K through five, would you stand to your feet? All right, are you guys ready? You now can go to the back where the double doors are. Miss Jackie is waiting for you. Everybody else, hey, can we give our kiddos a standing ovation as they head downstairs? All right. Well, it's time for me to go. I got to get downstairs with those kiddos. You guys have a great worship experience this morning. We'll see you soon. Bye. See you next week, Jeb. Well, last week, Pastor Joel preached on, uh, are you a consumer or are you an investor? Are you just taking everything that God has for you which he is freely giving to you and freely given to you, or are you taking what he has given to you and reinvesting it in the kingdom of God? Pastor, we're looking forward to this morning's message too. So God bless you as you come. Well, it's, it's a joy to be here. It's talking to people in the foyer saying, you know, we were here maybe six, seven months, a few years ago, his interims. Now we're here for eight weeks, and you just can't get rid of some people. So <laughs> we're enjoying being here. It's great to be here again. 
Next week is Communion Sunday, so just kind of remember that as we prepare for next week. Uh, there was this couple, didn't get along at all, fought a lot. The wife really didn't care for her husband much. And one day they were at a store, and she spotted him steal a can of peaches. She said, okay, I'm going to turn them in. So she <laughs> turns them in. So they're before the judge. Judge says, sir, did you steal a can of peaches? Yes, Your Honor. He said, how many pieces were in that can? He said, um, five. He said, okay, since there were five th pieces in there, I'll give you five days in prison, okay? He said, okay. So they're about to leave. Five pieces, five days in jail. They're about to leave, and the lady said, oh, wait, wait, Your Honor, Your Honor, I forgot one thing. He also stole a can of peas. Oh. Okay, I'm going to talk about uh, us feeding the world the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to go. We're going to look at the uh, feeding of the five thousand story. There's all kinds of great messages in that. And I want to just pick out kind of a thought about how God wants us to feed the world the gospel of Jesus. So we'll be talking about that today, and let's just start with uh, Mark six. 32 to 34, and we'll just kind of get the setting for what's happening here. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Remember that word, solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd he had compassion, key word, compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now, these couple of verses kind of talk about what happened then, but it talks about our generation too. And so we look at, they're in a solitary place. They're, they're way out of nowhere, kind of in a lonely place. Jesus wanted to go there, probably to rest and just to relax and regroup. But when he got there, here's all these people that kind of could see where he's going in that boat around the Sea of Galilee. He got around there, uh, and they were waiting for him there. And it, it talks about how pathetic these people were, because Jesus said they're like a sheep without a shepherd. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us today. I, we drive all over this place and see a lot of people raising sheep. They have a nice fenced-in place, a lot of pasture, water tank or something. So a sheep without a shepherd doesn't mean a big deal. But back then, it meant those sheep weren't going to make it. Sheep without a shepherd could not make it in biblical days. Uh, sheep are not very smart animals. They're kind of stupid. Maybe that's why Jesus called a sheep. I don't know. Because <laughs> it kind of fits at times. But they, they're, they're not very smart. And they can't defend themselves. What are they going to do? They can't even run that fast. They don't have any way to defend themselves. Uh, they don't know how to eat properly without a shepherd. Sheep will find green grass maybe. But they'll eat it and eat it. And they'll eat it down to the roots and they'll kill it. So there's no more grass. They have to find, as the psalmist said in Psalm 23, he leads me beside still water, quiet waters. 
Sheep cannot drink in a fast-moving stream. Uh, they're too buoyant. They'll go down, floating down with all their fat and wool, and away they go. Okay. They, they, they're not going to make it. They can't defend themselves from wild animals. So for Jesus to say, these people are like sheep without it, they're not going to make it. And that's true today. People that don't know Jesus Christ aren't going to make it, not going to make it to heaven. And so we find the setting here, what's going on here. Jesus had compassion on them. He always did. Remember the story Jesus told about the 99 sheep in the fold, safe, but there's one more. I said, man, 99%, that's pretty good stuff, okay? We can't always get 100%. Forget about that one. No, Jesus had compassion in that story to go. The shepherd went out and probably risked his own life, maybe dark. So these sheep without a shepherd, they're not going to make it. Jesus had compassion. He cared about these people. He still does. Verse 35 gives us a little more story of what's going on here. By this time, it's late in the day. Okay, it's late in the day right now for our world. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. I want to compare that generation to ours. I mean, our generation's going the wrong way quick in our country, as well as the rest of the world. They're not going to make it. It's late in the day. The rapture's going to take place soon. We've seen things go backwards so quick in this past year, worldwide, especially in our country. I mean, it's been horrible what's happened, not just for the, the pandemic, but we learned to give up our rights pretty quick, like we'll, the world will have to do when the Antichrist shows up. <clears throat> Antichrist is probably alive somewhere in the world, I would guess, getting ready to show himself somewhere as a, as a ruler and a man of peace and a man with all the answers. And the rapture is going to come, the sun's setting, it's getting dark, and they're not going to make it. So their generation is very similar to our generation. It's, it's kind of going that way. You know, Rosalie and I ministered a lot of people, a lot of different settings. We started out our ministry while we're still in Bible college. We pastored a little, what they called outstations. It was in, we found these abandoned one-room schoolhouses and started churches there long before we showed up. And then we took over this church and had a team of students come with us and Sunday morning, Sunday night, I learned how to preach. I learned how to have a communion service and learn how to drive a long way to get there. It was a hillbilly church. What was it Green Hill? Green Hill. It was out in the Ozarks and lovely people. Loved God. We, we loved being with them. We'd visit some of them in their homes. One Sunday afternoon, our whole team went over, the, went to one of the parishioners' homes we go in there in the front door, and it, it's all dirt inside. The whole house was a dirt floor. They didn't have money or, or energy to pave it or put some boards, nothing. And they had a few animals in there. I don't mean big cows, but <laughs> goat or sheep or something. I mean, th that's how they lived. Lovely people. We pastored in Milwaukee. We had some multi-millionaires in our church. One guy had a Learjet. He was the president of Congolium Industries worldwide. Glass, brass, high-rise, office. You know what? They needed God just as much as the people in a dirt floor house. Sheep without a shepherd. And we found 
people from both extremes, hungry for God. Once we, they were confronted, sometimes very lonely people. In fact, some of the people at the high up on the ladder were the more, more lonely because it's kind of lonely on the top, I guess. It's amazing how people need somebody to minister to them and to show love and concern and the compassion like Jesus talked about here. Uh, it's amazing. People are becoming more interested now in the supernatural than they ever have. They're often going to the dark side to get it. But we're seeing now an, an uptake a little more in seances and palm readers. And uh, I heard a message here at camp. Some of you probably were there and heard it saying the Z generation, those 20 years and younger, are very interested in the supernatural. And they'd be very open to see the supernatural through the kingdom of God, through the people of God. They're hungry for that sort of thing. They're not religious, but they like supernatural. And they're going to find it somewhere. And there'll be enough supernatural stuff going on in the weeks and months to come when we see things getting more in the spirit of the Antichrist. People are hungry. People need help. They're not going to make it. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And so God has a, pur a purpose for us in this area. And well, let's look at verse 36. Here's the, uh, respond of the response of the disciples. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Jesus said, I have compassion on these people. They're sheep without a shepherd. What are we going to do? Disciples had an answer. Send them away. <laughs> okay. They didn't care like Jesus. They didn't know what to do. They, did, they didn't have the resources. They didn't know. They, let, let them go and get some food somewhere. That was their response. Send them away. We can't do much about it. You know, one time people were bringing their children to Jesus. And the disciples kind of said, you know, send them away. <laughs> Jesus said no, and he put them on his lap, and he put his hands on them and blessed them. Send them away is the easy way out. Send them away is a good way to look at things if we don't know what else to do, and we don't know the power of God. We don't know the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's just send them away because we don't know what to do here, okay? Well, Jesus has a response to this send them away thing, verses 37 and 44. But he, Jesus, answered you give them something to eat. They said to him, the disciples answered back, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So we, we know how many were there, 5,000 people. Jesus said, no, we're not going to send them away. I want you guys to feed them. You give them something to eat. Boy, all of a sudden, what are they going to do? They said that would take a half a year, depending on how you look at the difference between the money there and the money now. Some think it would take more than uh, almost a year's wages, some, some way of looking at their money compared to our. It was kind of, they were kind of saying, you know, I don't think they had that money with them, do you? I mean, Judas had the bag, and he kind of stole out of it occasionally, the Bible says. If there was that much money in the bag, I think Judas would have helped himself a long time ago. <laughs> in other words, I don't, we can't do this, Jesus. 
Are we supposed to spend that much if we had it? What, how are we gonna, where are they going to find food? 5,000 men. Matthew said there was 5,000 men plus women and children. They didn't count women and children very often back in those days for whatever reasons that they had. So there could have been 10,000 people there. If they had enough money, what are they going to do? You couldn't go to a Walmart today and buy food for 10,000 people, I don't think, at one time. And how are you going to get it out into this remote? In other words, there's no way this is going to work. There's no way they could feed these people. It, it's too hard. It's, we don't have the money. We don't know how to do this. It's, it's not going to happen. And they didn't know what to do. And sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes you don't know what to do. Sometimes I don't know what to do next about life. You never failed me yet. I like that song. I like to take off the word yet. It's like, well, maybe he's going to tomorrow, but yet he hasn't. But maybe tomorrow, he, no, he hasn't failed us yet or ever. He's got ideas. We've been in places we don't know what to do. I've said this before, probably. Sometimes we can come up with an idea. Sometimes when it gets pretty hard, we have no ideas of what to do. God's got a million ideas of how to fix something. He only did this twice, feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000. He has all kinds of ways of doing things. We find out something that works, and we think it always has to be this little rut. God hardly ever did anything twice the same way. What are we going to do here? we got all these people. We, we, we don't have the money. We don't have a solution. Well, okay, Jesus has a solution here in verse 38. Okay, he says, how many loaves do you have? He asked him, go and see. They found out and they said, you know, five and two. You feed them. Well, we really can't do that, Jesus. Okay, well, what do you have? Find out what you have. Most of us will have to admit we don't have enough of anything to reach this world or our community for Jesus ourselves. We're always aware of what we don't have. The disciples were very aware of what they didn't have. We can't do this. We don't, probably don't have enough money. If we did, how are we going to find food? I mean, it, this is not going to work. Jesus said, okay, it's kind of, I know, I know you don't have enough. I know you don't have a solution. What do you have? Go find out what you have, and let's see what it is. Uh, it's easy to realize how empty we can be, and it's, it's, it's what a lot of, God's people did at first. They looked at themselves and said, I can't do that. Moses, probably the, the most mighty man in the Bible other than Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. I mean, he sticks, stands way out. Maybe Paul would be close. Well, we find Moses. He was raised as an Egyptian. He was a Hebrew, but, and he knew that, I guess. But that's not how, 40 years in the palace. Can you imagine how he lived? The palace, everything. Finally, when he hits 40 years of age, he says, I better go see how my people are doing, the Jewish people. And we know the story. He kills an Egyptian, buries him in the sand. The Bible says he looked both ways. Next day, he realized he was found out. He runs away for 40 more years. Now he's 80. Backs out of the desert, tending sheep. Egyptians thought sheep herders were detestable, the Bible tells us. And he heard that for 40 years. Now he 
Now he is one, okay. Now he's 80. He's coming back through the wilderness. And this is where we find the uh, burning bush situation. And look, look what he saw. But he still wouldn't believe he could do it. Look what he saw. He heard, first of all, an angel was there. Then he spots the burning bush. And he goes over to it. That's pretty good. A, a bush that's burning and not being consumed. Didn't do much. Now God starts talking to him th through that bush. Then they have this conversation back and forth that goes on for a while. And, yeah, I can't do this. And so God gives him a couple signs. Throw your stick down. Turns into a snake. Picks it up again. That ought to do something for him. No. Puts his hand inside his robe. Pulls it out. It's full of leprosy. Sicks it again, and it's healed. He still isn't. By now, you'd think he'd be phased, wouldn't you? An angel. I mean, I've never seen an angel, except for Rosalie. Oh. <laughs> I got some points. Points. Got some points in the bank. <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, that's pretty good stuff. An angel and a burning bush and all these miracles of the snake and the stick and the leprosy. And he's still not phased. He said, I can't do this. Then he says, what if they won't believe me? And he said, I can't speak very well. It goes on and on and on. I'm not going to turn to that today, but that's in, in uh, Exodus. And he goes on and on and on. And I can't do this. And it's not going to work. And finally, in Exodus 4.12, he says, Oh, Lord, please send somebody else. And at that point, God got angry at him. God can get angry. God's God. He can do anything he wants, okay? I mean, that, that all happened to this mighty man of God who was going to see the Red Sea depart and the people coming out after 10 plagues. And, but look where we started. I can't do it. We, we know he did eventually, it's, it's okay to realize we can't do it as long as we don't stay there too long. Uh, when God wants us to do something, the first thing, I don't know if I can handle that, you know. Gideon, another one. He's hiding behind a wall. He's hiding from the Midianites who are swooping down out of the country and, and stealing their crops. And so he's hiding. Angel shows up. You mighty man of valor. I think he was a joke. Here he is down there. You mighty me, you know, and he, he kind of delineates how he doesn't have anything. Oh, not, no, no, you got the wrong guy, you know. Angel, sh you picked the wrong one here. My tribe is the least of the tribes of Israel. Probably true, okay. And my clan is the least in the tribe. May have been true too. I don't know. So, my, my my tribe is pretty bad off. They're low, than not much potential. We're a small part of this tribe, and we don't have much potential either. And that's how he starts. Well, he doesn't know what to do next. He needs a miracle, so God, the angel, says, "Put some meat on the rock, a sacrifice. Stand back, and the lightning comes going, and he goes, whoop, eats it up." Still not good enough. I mean, that would be good enough for most of us, but not him. Oh, I need some more. And so he does this fleece thing twice, reverses it. That all happens. He's still not, you know, 
it's okay to feel a little empty as long as we don't stay there. God allowed these two men to move on from that point and, and not just be a negative, I can't get these things done, it's not going to work for me. You know, it's easy to say, I'm too young or I'm too old. I can now say both of them. One time I was too young, now I'm too old. I haven't got enough education, I don't have enough money, I can't do this. You know, there's always some reason why we can find out why we can't do something. And uh, these guys tried their best. Can't do it, I can't do it, it's not going to work. No, find somebody else. And uh, God just simply says, what do you have? What do you have? You've got something. You're still here. We still have a purpose. If we have a pulse, we have a purpose, okay. And what do you have? Well, they want to find out what they had, and they came back with this little lunch, you know. Uh, it's kind of interesting how God can make something out of nothing. I may have told you this story six years ago, but you won't remember anyway, so. Maybe I didn't, I don't know. We were pastoring in Glidden, and... Uh, I asked if anybody knows where Glidden is, and usually somebody raises their hand. And I said, you're a liar. Nobody knows where Glidden is. <laughs> when they asked us to come up there to interview with the board, I'm looking on the map. I can't find Glidden. So I look, and it says H6. Still can't find Glidden. <laughs> well, we went up there, and we pastored there, and they couldn't pay us, I think, what, 35 a week when they could afford it. And now, this is not a sob story. Obviously, we made it, okay? I'm well fed. <laughs> but we, we ran, you know, I, we get, I was making a car payment, and we you know, didn't have any insurance, of course, for anything, or health. But we were there, and God was with, leading us. And I remember we ran out of food. Now, we probably had a can of something and a couple boxes of pasta somewhere. I don't know. what. Ran out of food. I remember us sitting at that little rickety table in the kitchen and we prayed god we don't have any food here help us and it wasn't it was just a, a little prayer and i'm thinking probably within 10 minutes maybe 15 a knock on the door it's archie hill remember archie he was a dairy farmer <clears throat> the first thing he said is hey pastor do you have any room in your freezer I said, yeah, my freezer is full of cold air. That's it. <laughs> he said, well, we, we killed one of our cows and butchered it. We got 30 pounds of meat all wrapped, you know, hamburger and steaks, whatever, roast, all labeled. He brought it in, crammed the freezer full. And I thought, you know, wow. I mean, it had to be God. I mean, he could have come a day earlier before we prayed about it. And I that'd have been okay. That'd have been okay too. But the timing was part of the miracle. No, I, I thank God. Ever since then, I haven't had to pray in food. Okay, thank God. I'm just saying, God can kind of show up in the middle of nowhere and have an answer. What do you have? Well, uh, you know, they found this little five and two thing, and that's what they had. Let's look at verses 41 to 43. Taking the five loaves, two fish, looked up to heaven. He gave thanks, broke the loaves. He gave to them, to his disciples, to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. 
They all ate. They were satisfied, so they had plenty to eat. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. Is that the end of it? Okay. There's more coming. Okay. So five or 10,000 people were fed. They were full, picked up leftovers because they couldn't eat anymore. And that's, that's kind of the end of this thing happened. But what, I, what I'm looking at here is it started out, we can't do this. We don't probably have the money and where we're going to get all this food. And <clears throat> he said, no, you feed them. And what do you have? And they went and found what they had. And what do you have? What do I have? Sometimes we look, I don't, I can't do much. Yeah, yeah, we can. I mean, the fact, let's fall. The, the, the most we can do is to fast and pray and tithe and worship together and give some money to missions and share Jesus. But that's, that's the most we can do. That's not going to be enough, but that's our part. What do you have? Well, I can do this part. I can pray. I can fast. I can, I can talk to somebody about Jesus. I can give money to missions. Okay, do it. Do it. Keep doing it. God's going to open doors. We, we live in a condo. <clears throat> with, there's 18 families. Our building has 10. It's a, quite an interesting mission field. We love living there. We're out of our cocoon. We're, none of these people know Jesus. Some are very far from the Lord. We got neighbors 21 feet from our place and their place. We all have 21 feet. Six inch wall, 21 feet. Here these people are. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're not going to make it. They're very worldly, very far from what we would call a Christian life. Pretty horrible life of a you know, lifestyle, vocabulary. But God's kind of drawing us to these people. And I was with them the other day for a while, and you, Rosie said this about a month or two ago, and we said it again yesterday, I guess. We're going to lead those people to Christ, aren't we? I said, yep. Just by being around them, we, we haven't, they, they know who we are. They know we're Christians. They know we're ministers. I won't say much about that. I'm not sticking that in their face. I don't challenge them when I see them drunk on their deck. Uh, in fact, if anything, I'll go say, hey, how you doing? You know, we're building a bridge. Jesus is going to walk across that bridge someday. That's not, a, that's not much, but what do you have? Well, I, that's, we have that with them. That's a big deal. No, that's a big deal for them. If they find Christ, that's eternity for them. What do you have? What do you have? Well, here's the disciples. They... Um, find a lunch. That's almost hilarious. 10,000, maybe 10,000 people hungry. They've been with him for a while. It's, sun's going down. They're hungry. Go, go see what you've got. A lunch. One lunch for 10,000 people. I mean, that's crazy. Those odds are, are pretty horrible. <laughs> okay. I don't know. If they came to Jesus with that lunch kind of ashamed, oh, Jesus, we just found this lunch. If I'd found that lunch, I'd have eaten it and gone home. Okay, 
this isn't enough. This isn't going to make any difference. Let me just eat it and go home. At least I'll be satisfied. Good thing I wasn't there. But um, one lunch. I think, I think Jesus is trying to show, I mean, this actually happened. This isn't a parable that we know. I think Jesus is trying to show a lesson here. How pathetic. They couldn't feed him. They didn't know what to do. When they looked to see what they had, they didn't have much. Folks, we don't have much. We sometimes think, but God knows how to take that lunch and make it work. And to take our lives and whatever we have to offer. Know what Notice what Jesus did not say when they came up with this puny little lunch. Eight, ten thousand people. You know what Jesus didn't say? You've got to be kidding, you guys. What's wrong with you? That's stupid. Go look. He didn't. It's kind of like, that's all you got? Okay, that's all we need. That's all you have? That's all I have? That's all you That's all we need. Let me just touch it. Let me bless it. Let me anoint it. I just want to take what you've got. One lunch. Okay, that's good enough. When I think of some of the miracles in the Bible that we all like to read, I mean, I've read the Bible through, as many of you have, many, many, many times. I know these stories. Probably could quote them word for word, some of them. I've probably preached on all of them many times. But when I'm reading through the Bible, I know the outcome, but I can't wait to get to the end. I mean, that's the living word. It's just like that. And God is always showing up and doing things that don't seem possible. And here he, here he comes doing this. He didn't say that's not enough. When Moses is standing by the Red Sea holding a stick, that's kind of stupid, Moses, okay? No, it wasn't. God said, that's all you got. That's what we're going to do. The lady with the, in the Old Testament, her um, husband died, left debts. The, de the, guy, the debtor was coming and taking her kids, her boys. She had two boys. I'm sure he's taking them away. He's going to work the money down and pay off the debt. They had a right to do that, I guess, back then. The prophet said, no, that's not going to happen. What do you have in your house? She kind of said, well, not just this little oil, good enough. Now, that's not what the Bible says, but it was good enough. He didn't say, well, God needs about 10 gallons to pull this one off. No, that's all you got. It's all we need. And they got all the pots and they filled them all up and and prophet said, okay, sell, sell all this oil. Pay off your debts and there'll be enough left to live on. That's God taking almost nothing that was offered. Good enough. Good enough. I mean, there's all kinds of Moses with a stick in the rock to get water out. I mean, that's what he had. There's no way Moses could bring water out of a rock. I don't care if you hit it with a crane. It's not going to happen. But it's all he had, and God it's like, that's all I need. Just use what you've got, and I'll make it work. Now, could Jesus have fed the 5,000 without the lunch? Of course he could have. I mean, he speaks the word, and the world comes into existence. He didn't need the lunch to feed five or 10,000 people. He didn't. But notice, he didn't do it until the lunch showed up. God didn't need Moses to have a stick over the Red Sea. I mean, that's almost foolish. What's that going to do? God could have just <laughs> waters part. But it didn't happen until the man came up with the stick. 
this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 didn't happen until they found what they could have, what they did have. Go see what you've got. I'll use what you've got. That's good enough. We'll make it work. And it did. You know, that lady with a little oil. It may be harder for her than somebody that has a lot of stuff because that's all she had. All we have in the house is this little oil. Sometimes it's harder for the people that have just a little oil because that's all they got. People that have a lot of stuff, yeah, you could have the oil. She gave all she had. It was a good enough. God never said that's not enough. I can't do it that way. And I'm sure I said this here before. That miracles are probably 2% us, 98% God. Now, I don't, I don't know where I got that from. Whenever I say it, Rosie doesn't like it. She said, give us a little more credit than that, okay? <laughs> miracles are 5% us. <laughs> you, you see the idea. Only God can do it, but he uses us. Yeah. Listen, there's a lot of things Jesus wants to do. But if we don't do them, it's not going to happen. I mean, he wants nobody to perish. Nobody. Everybody to come to repentance. Well, if I don't do my little part and, you, and we don't send missionary, I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't going to happen, even though God wants them to happen, because he choose to, chose to work through us. He could get it all done in a second if he wanted to. But God's economy works through the church, walks through, works through his people. And so God, God is leading us and helping us and wanting to. God says, you know, I'll bless it, but you have to add your part. I want to use you. I want, I want you to be the part that I use. And uh, how, many, how many of you have a little garden? Anybody? Okay. How long would your garden last without water? A week, two weeks? I don't have a garden. I live in a condo. I don't, I don't own an inch out of my door. <laughs> well, I guess we all do, but so we don't have a garden. I don't want a garden. We have a hard time growing, growing two flower pots, but water. Something has to take the water from the source to the vegetables or the flowers. That's us. We have the living water. God, the Bible says the living water is flowing through. We have the living water. Of course we do. People that don't have the living water need it. We're, the con we're, we're a garden hose. Aren't you glad you came to church? pastor said you're a garden hose. <laughs> That's a compliment. A garden hose doesn't have to be a whole lot, but it carries living water from the source out to the plants. That's what it does. How hard is that? I don't think the people out there that are perishing, I don't think they care what color the hose is. I got a black hose. I've seen green hoses. I've seen hoses with a little stripe down the side. Some are rubber, some are vinyl. I saw an ad the other day for a stainless steel hose. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't think it matters. I don't think anybody cares. Some, some of your hoses have duct tape wrapped around them. In fact, we all do. I got duct tape. 
It doesn't matter so much. Can God use us to carry his message to those who aren't going to make it? And that's kind of where this whole story ends, you know. Sometimes we think we're too small to make a difference. Did you ever try to sleep in a bedroom with just one mosquito in there? I've gotten up at 3 in the morning, turn all the lights on, where that thing is. <laughs> As soon as I go back to sleep, it's going to be in my ear. We're not too small to make a difference. So, Father, thank you for these great people, this great church. Lord, thank you for where it came from and where it's going now. Thank you for the leadership of our, of our pastor, Eric, and all the great things that are, have come to this church in the last few years. Thank you, Lord. And we want to keep moving. We want to keep going. We want to reach our city. I realize this church is doing some great things to reach our city. Thank you for this VBS coming up soon. And Lord, we want to be a garden hose. doesn't matter what color, what shape it's in, as long as it can carry water. And we can carry water because the living water is in us. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus lives in us. Hallelujah. Lord, help us to be faithful. And doing what we can. What do we have? What do they have? What do I have? Whatever it is, if we give it to you, it's enough. It'll be enough. It'll be sufficient to do whatever you want us to do in that situation. So thank you, Lord, for this today. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready? Yes, sir. Go for it. So, Pastor, for us, a few of the takeaways from this is that we need the Lord. We all need the Lord. And also, you have a part in his kingdom. Amen? Do you believe that you have something to give? Symbolically, would you just lift something up to God today? Say, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have I give to you. Just lift your hands up today around this sanctuary. Make an offering to the Lord this day, just of yourself and reaching out to your neighbors to love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus said. That's a simple road to missions, reaching out to those people that God has placed in your neighborhood, in your life, in your community, in your school. Lord, we give you this offering. It may not be much, but we know that you can do great things with what we bring to you. What is consecrated or given over to the Lord for his kingdom. Lord, we thank you, and may you do great things, for you are the way maker, you are the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. Let your light shine through us, Lord. Let's sing, Lord, I come. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my Without you, I fall apart. You're the one. 
sing, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. this morning. Jesus is the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light of the world, the light in the darkness. I worship you. 
place if you come to Jesus. He is the miracle worker. He's the one that turns, as pastor says, a happy meal into the feeding of thousands. A great banquet prepared for us. But sometimes we don't always see God at work, even though he's working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop. You never stop. We walk by faith and not by sight. Even though I don't see it, even when I don't see that you're working, even when I stop you never stop working you never stop one more time stop even when working. i don't even when i don't see you working lord you're working when i don't feel 
darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you God good all the time. Hallelujah. I want you to sing with me. Hallelujah. The word hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sing it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Amazing. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, Lord. In closing, today we'd love to sing that grand old hymn, Amazing Grace. And that reminds me, actually, tonight we've got a hymn sing at the solar farm, Dave and Loretta. Dave, Loretta, could you just raise your hands for those that might not know you? And we're going out to the farm tonight, 6 o'clock. And I don't think they have sheep there, so I guess, Pastor, we're the sheep for those of us that end up out on the farm. And uh, let's sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
thousand years. today for your amazing grace for it is by grace that we have been saved and that not of ourselves it is the gift of God so no one will boast yes thank you for your grace Lord and God as we have freely been given by you may we also take those gifts that you have given to us Lord for everything that comes from you the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that live in it. Lord, you have given us everything we need. And, and in Philippians, Paul said, and my God will supply all yes. your needs yes. according to his riches and glory Thank you. through Christ Jesus. Amen, saints. Worthy to be praised. And today, uh, maybe you do have a gift to give. We do have a box out in the foyer for offerings, tithes and offerings. You can also give online if you go to the Hillside website. And uh, we just thank God for his goodness. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go back to Lord, I need you. And uh, I'd like to pray over you, people of God. Lord, as you uh, have blessed us this day with the word of God, help us to not only be hearers of the word, it says, but to be doers as well not deceiving ourselves God and we just pray Lord God that you would bless your people that's your desire Lord to bless us to keep us to make your face shine upon us Lord we thank you for all the blessings the psalmist said bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits we thank you Lord and we pray your blessing upon God's people. Lord, be with us tonight as we 
go to the farm, so to speak, yes. to sing the praises, the hymns of God, and and Kathy will be with us to uh, assist tonight on the piano. So uh, God bless you all. Have a great day as you go together in God's grace, love, mercy, and peace. Lord, I need you. That is who you are. That is who you are.